Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Are you interested in angels, demons, spirits, ghosts, and monsters? Are you curious about their origins, tales, and influence upon history and on the present day? If so, sit back, relax, and welcome to Southern Demonology, the podcast that explores all of this and more. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello all. Welcome back to another episode of Southern Demonology. As always, I'm your host, JJ. Apologies for not being around much last week on our various social media platforms. And for those who don't know, we are on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Podchaser, and TikTok. I think I named them all. Regardless, you can find all of that info either on the website, southerndemonology.com, or on our link tree that happens to be in the show notes. I actually had to go to Dallas for an internal team meeting. At first, I really dreaded going. After all, it's a three and a half hour flight each way in order to attend a day and a half of meetings. Yet, it was actually a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be. Primarily because it felt like the before times. You know, the before times, before the plague. No one wore a mask. We went out in public to do team building activities and eat in restaurants. In short, it was the most normal that I have felt in two years. But I didn't get back until Thursday morning. And of course, I spent the rest of the week digging myself out of the mountain of work that had accumulated in the meantime. Regardless, I have mostly accomplished that now, so expect my usual shenanigans from here on out. And speaking of shenanigans, I actually have two big announcements upcoming, the first of which will hopefully drop this week, so keep an eye out on social media for that. As always, and I know you probably hate me even saying it, join us on Wednesday for our regular movie night at 10 p.m. Eastern Time when we'll be watching We Go On. If you've never seen it, then come by our Discord server. I know you'll love it. And speaking of Discord, today's episode features another community spotlight feature as I interview Josh, a.k.a. JoshB93, who is a seminarian and assistant exorcist. And he goes over a case that he just worked 
and I know that you will be riveted. Yet if you'll indulge me, there's one more thing I like to throw into the mix. One night while I was in Dallas, I happened to look at the stats for the podcast, and I was blown away. (laughs) I actually had to call my family and deliver the big news. Now, normally, this show gets around 800 downloads a week. But last week, we nearly doubled those numbers, hitting around 1,460. Even more, Southern Demonology hit the milestone of 20,000 downloads since March. And I just wanted to take a moment to thank each and every one of y'all for that. In this age where outrage and conspiracy theories garner all of the attention because that's what drives engagement and those pesky algorithms are geared to promote just that, I am surprised yet humbled that anyone can put up with the sound of my voice. Nevertheless, keep listening. So from the bottom of my heart, thank y'all. You have made this little academic nerd very, very happy. So with all that out of the way, sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview with Josh in an episode I call The Shadows Were Laughing. He must have Hello all. I have been able to secure a phenomenal interview today. Today we have with us Josh, also known by his Discord username of JoshB93, at least within our server. And he told a particularly harrowing tale. And I had to know more about it, and luckily he agreed to uh, to come on and actually talk to us. But more than just the tell, Josh is also an exorcist, and I wanted to get all of the details around that to be able to share with y'all today. So, uh, Josh, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Well, I am really glad that you agreed to come on and talk to us a little bit. If you don't mind, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yes. Um, as JJ said, my name is Josh. I'm 29 years old. I'm a uh, deacon in training. I'm currently in seminary working on to be ordained a priest eventually. I am a uh, apprentice exorcist within our church, and I have a networking degree. And uh, that's about it, really. Is there any particular focus that you have uh, in seminary? Demonology and theology. What kind of things have you been studying within the demonology side? Really, it's kind of similar to yours. Second Temple, Judaism and all that, the old Zoroastrian traditions. 
Okay, since you also study some Zoroastrianism, I'm not trying to blindside you by any means of the word, but do you see a lot of correlation between Zoroastrian dualism and Christian dualism? Yes, kind of, yes. Okay, because that's something that desperately doing research on to try to get to the bottom of that. So it's good to hear that someone else, I'm not just barking up a wrong tree. So So, uh, in terms of your religious tradition, can you give us a little bit of a detail about that? Because it's not the Catholic church, right? No, it's the uh, charismatic Episcopal church. Of course, you know, the word Episcopal means we're governed by bishops. We are a church that is a three streams or a convergence worship church. We're a church that's fully evangelical, liturgical, and fully charismatic. What exactly does that mean? Because for those who are not familiar with it. Well, fully evangelical means we, we hold a high view of the Holy Scriptures and the Old and New Testaments. And liturgical means that we follow you know, sacrament of the Holy Eucharist, we use all seven sacraments, and the charismatic means that we believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, such as uh, speaking in tongues and uh, gifts of spiritual discernment. Gotcha. And this is just me being curious. Mm-hmm. Is speaking in tongues something that happens frequently? in your services? Yes. Okay. I know some Protestant denominations lean heavily in speaking in tongues. Some do not. That was just my own curiosity. There. Thank you very much for answering that one. No, so, no problem. How did you feel called to go to seminary and and start to go along the path of becoming an exorcist? Well, that started when I was younger. I went through a uh, dark time in my life, and I experienced the uh, demonic and demonic attacks firsthand, especially the um, attacks on mentally, even physically at times. And, that like, kind of got me. Also, if you don't mind me, I'm I'm not trying to get too much into your in, into your personal life by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. But if you wouldn't mind, like elaborating, I would love to be able to hear that. The uh, dark time of my life was where I was just dealing with. Of course, I didn't know it was a good discernment at the time, but just dealing with all the different um, emotions I would pick up from different people. And it would sort of stick with me, and um, that would that kind of overwhelmed me, and then I uh, fell into a deep, deep depression, and then all of a sudden I would start seeing things around the house and uh, hear voices, and it would tear me to do terrible things myself and others. And uh, luckily, though, I had my dad. Um, him being an exorcist, he helped me through that. 
So you have the gift of spiritual discernment then? Yes. Has that grown as you have gotten older or has it stayed about the same? Oh yes, it's it's definitely grown. Wow, okay. Uh and for though I know that we have talked to one or two others that have had that same type of gift, but for those who may not have heard those particular episodes, would you mind just giving a brief definition of what spiritual discernment is? Um it sort of it gives you insight into um people and also the uh spiritual uh side of things. Like uh, when we're doing house blessings and I walk into a particular room, if there's something in there that's just, that's just not right, I can, I would feel it. It would feel, it would either, I would get nauseous or feel like a punch in the gut. That sort of thing would happen to me. Okay. Thank you for that. So, so, uh, so you have the, this particular gift I can see why that would have definitely sparked an interest in knowing more about the darker side of things, but what drew you into actively wanting to wade into spiritual warfare? Assisting my dad and uh, plus the way he assisted me when I was younger, it's sort of, it it really imprinted on me, if you will. I was oh, like, yeah, I you know, I want to do that one day. I want I want to help folks that go through similar things like I went through, and that's really what inspired me to get into it and get into the ministry, and um, to learn more about the church, about the history behind everything. Oh, that's wonderful. So how? I would imagine that your path along becoming an exorcist has not just involved classroom study, but also practical hands-on. How many particular cases or, uh, you know, or events have you actively participated in at this point? Uh, Lots. I would say in maybe the 30s. But wow. mo- most of them were just um, house blessings. Uh, only three of them actually went into uh, full exorcisms of a place or a person. So when it comes to exorcism of person... Do you do y'all have any particular protocols around needing medical or psychological exams before you make a determination as to this may actually be a true case of possession? Yes, um, I'm actually a certified EMT, and I am actually qualified to give psyche vows. So whenever someone approaches us thinking that they may have something going on, I'll we'll do a full psyche eval on them before we go any further. Okay. What are what are some of the red flags that you see if someone is truly suffering from a case of possession? A lot of the times when someone's 
got a real case of it. They will, um, of course, have adverse reactions to any holy object near them. They won't even look at it. So when I'm doing a psyche balance, so when I'll, I'll wear my um, crucifix, of course. And if they, if they can't even look straight at me or at the crucifix, that's kind of a red flag. Um, if they're constantly uh, having tremors in one of their limbs, that sort of thing. Okay. Sorry, I'm just thinking here. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. So what kind of, what is the protocol that y'all use in order to do a house blessing? We'll generally um, show up, we'll do a walkthrough of the house, um, walkthrough while, while praying, and we'll talk with the family, and then we'll begin a uh, small a small service. Really, it will go through, bless each room, and then celebrate Holy Communion. Okay. Is there a difference in your view between a house blessing and an exorcism of place? Yeah, so blessing, a uh, house blessing is just a general blessing of the home, whereas an exorcism of a place or, or a thing, uh, you're actually using the uh, Roman rite of exorcism. Oh, so you actually do use the the Roman ritual then? Yes. Okay. I have heard from quite a few that the the Roman ritual is not meant to be used as is, but is rather a blueprint that you use in order to perform either type of exorcism. Is that true to you? Yes, we uh, we we use it as a as a template. Okay, good. Okay, so let's get back into this uh, this rather eerie tale. Because um, one night uh, I was scrolling through Discord, actively chatting as we do, and then we get a message from you. Do you want to start going through the story? Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was actually right after uh, we got through. Um, me and Dad got to the hotel. And, uh, of course I, I write everything down just to keep a document. And, um, I figured I'd share it with the, uh, server since, uh, you know, get what y'all would think about it. And, uh, but it all, it all began in, uh, August. My mom received a phone call from a family friend about her, uh, stepdaughter who was having some issues in her house. They had uh, taken in a young uh, teenage girl about eight months prior to this. And uh, it turned out the girl was actually dabbling into the more darker side of the occult. And uh, pretty much pretty much uh, Satanism is what she was dabbling in. And uh, so we called the um, stepdaughter and talked with her to sort to get her account for everything. And then um she actually offered to pay uh for the hotel room for us. So that sort of 
told me and dad that she was actually serious about what was going on at the house. And she wanted us to drive five hours and pay for the hotel room. But, um, we drove over there and met with them the next, uh, on the 29th. And we spoke with each family member individually to get their, uh, story about everything that was occurring. Mm-hmm. And every single one of them experienced similar things, random feelings of just anger, depression, um, seeing faces on the walls, objects moving across countertops. Um, they had pictures that were actually uh, screwed in to the wall. And uh, one day they actually left the house and came back. And the picture was on the wall, but the screws that were in the fr- in the frame were on the floor. Oh wow! Yeah, and uh, their daughter, uh, she she had the worst of it, in my opinion. She was having a uh, she was being attacked in her in her sleep, in her dreams particularly. She was having vivid dreams of being murdered and uh, being raped. And she actually felt it physically and emotionally, the events in those dreams. Have you encountered anything similar to those types of vivid dreams in other cases? No, this was actually a first for me. Okay, yeah, because it was the first of me hearing of something like that. So I was really curious about that. Yeah, it was actually a first for me. Um. So after hearing this, we agreed that, you know, something was going on and we asked if we could walk around the house and get a feel for each room. Mm -hmm. And we walked through all the different rooms. And once we get to the uh, daughter's room. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. As soon as you walked over the threshold into her bedroom, you're just hit with a wave of just nausea. I mean, you wanted to vomit on the spot. And the air in that room was so oppressive. It felt like you weighed an extra 100 pounds. And it was just centralized in that one particular room, right? In that room and the uh, room that the girl that they took in stayed in. Gotcha. And um, in the daughter's room, as as we were looking around in there, we noticed that um, 
there was shadows that were moving around us and a shadow figure was actually standing in the corner of the bedroom looking at us watching everything that we were doing is that a, a frequent occurrence in cases that you have dealt with sometimes okay and um after that dad did a uh we did a general blessing on her room just so she could get a good night's rest before the next day when we would actually do the right and uh we walked out of her room and into the uh the spare bedroom where the the girl stayed and when you walked in that room i me personally i was hit with just rage like my my fist clenched up and I just felt this unnatural rage just build up within me. And then I noticed in the in the room in the middle that the air was it look it, it, it's kinda hard to explain. The the air in the middle of the room looked distorted and it was mm-hmm. sort of just swirling around almost like a like a small vortex. And it turned out that that particular part of the room is where they found the girl's Ouija board that she uh, was playing with. Mm. So that told me right then and there that that door was still open. Right. And uh, an interesting thing about that board, uh, when they got rid of everything, they tried to burn the board, but the board didn't catch fire. The board, no, no matter how hard they tried, it would not catch flame. That's never a good sign. No. So they just, they chunked it into the local dump. And, uh. Well, <clears throat> by doing that, would that actually, I mean, that wouldn't actually serve to close any open doors though correct correct that door would still be open like would you have preferred to still have that ouija board on site and if so what would you have done to it because i'm I'm just really curious about that me personally i would actually bless the board and then burn it instead Mm -hmm. of just burning it outright that's what I would do. Yeah, that makes total sense. But, okay, uh, so you've encountered the, this this distorted vortex in the middle of the room. What happened then? I, I motioned for Dad, and he, he came into the room, and I told him what was going on. And he actually blessed the center of the room. We, he had poured some holy water on it, and uh, we said a blessing. And that actually closed it. I actually saw that distorted air just d- disappear. So that took care of one problem. Mm-hmm. And then we met with the family again. And uh, we, we talked a little bit more about everything that we found. And then we left and went back to the hotel. And the next day is when we came back after the um, initial interview and then uh, started the how the actual exorcism of the house 
So the the girl that was living there and seemed to be the root of the problem, was she exhibiting any strange behavior during the time that she was there? Yes. The uh, daughter actually told us that she had encounters with her um, the day before they actually uh, kicked the girl out. They uh, the girl snapped, went to a random fit of rage, and the daughter the daughter went to her bedroom just to avoid the issue. And uh, a couple hours later, the girl came to to her bedroom door and knocked on it, and was it of course in a fit, crying and apologizing. Then all of a sudden, it was like a switch flipped, and she just sort of smirked, looked at the daughter, and said, "You're gonna die here." Oh Lord. And then that, that's when they kicked her out. And as she was leaving, um, she looked at the family again and told them that they were all going to die with that same smile. But the father and the daughter noticed that the girl's eyes were black and her face was almost just sort of distorted, almost. So I, I believe the girl was actually possessed at that point. That that honestly smacks really heavily of a possible possession. I mean, at least, I mean, if you go back, I don't know if you've read Hostage the Devil by any chance. Yes, it's uh, one of my favorite books. Yeah, amen, same thing here. Uh, but Zeo and the Smiler, I mean, to see that kind of a distorted you know, um, impression on someone's face, especially as twisted as a smile. I, yeah, that just sends chills down my spine. Oh yeah. It's, yeah, it was horrifying when she told us about it. Okay. So you've conducted your interviews. You're back the next day. Did she, did the, the girl in fact sleep easier with the blessing having been performed? Yes. Okay. She did. Good. She actually had a good night's sleep for once. All right. So then, what happened after all that? After after that, we uh, we met with them and we we gathered all our things and we started the house blessing. We started in the living room and we went to all the rooms in the house, performing the uh, rite of exorcism. And we reached the uh, daughter's room again. And that, that feeling that was there before was a lot stronger because it didn't, it didn't like what we were doing one bit. And uh, it, it was crazy because it seemed like the room got darker once you walked in there. It's like all the lights were almost being snuffed out by the, just that presence. But as so it, do you think because the room darkened and the, the I guess the intensity ramped up that this was somehow either latched on or was targeting her specifically. Yes. Okay. Yes. And in, in fact, um, the family found uh, the daughter was seeing a face in her closet, and the she told her mom about it. It was on the left side of the closet. They found a hidden, it was a box that was hidden in the closet. And it actually had um, like a skull in it, a crystal skull just sitting there. And it wasn't the daughter's. 
and it had a little uh, note of intention, and the girl was actually putting a hex on her. And what is a note of intention? It's it's a note that you would write. Well, like if you're doing um, a spell in particular, oh. you would you would write the intention of what you want, and then put it in a box or a jar or bottle, and uh, either bury it on someone's property or store it in, in a secret location in the home. Gotcha. Okay. And that intention can be for anything. It could be for good health. It could be, uh, or, or it could be for something darker like death, which in, th- in this case, it was, it was, <laughs> it was death and sickness. Okay. But, um, yeah, it was definitely targeting her just because of everything going on and what they found in her closet. Right. And uh, as we were going through the blessing, we, of course, we started feeling a lot, like very, very sick. And like it was trying to make us sick enough to where we, where we couldn't continue. And I, I had my eyes closed and was, was praying and I could just feel it just circling around me and dad. And it felt like it was sort of closing in on us. And then once we reached the, uh, towards the end of the blessing, they finally, it just dissipated. And then it went to the next room. It, you could see it too. It was like a flash of darkness. It just went to the next room, which was, uh, the spare bedroom. Mm-hmm. And we we went to there, and once again, the room was just darker than usual. And as we were praying in there, you could just see in every corner, there was, there was four shadow figures, one in each corner of the room. And they were just watching us, and you can hear them laughing. They were mocking us and trying to discourage us in order to stop the uh the right but the most uh the most interesting thing that happened once we got through in that room we went to uh celebrate holy communion and finish everything up and as we consecrated the bread and the wine and uh took part of holy communion i heard a loud scream in the back of the room it almost sounded like a like a banshee scream Mm-hmm. is exactly what it sounded like all the way in the back of the house. And you could hear it move up the hallway and out the front door. And there was a loud bang, which confirmed to us that we had kicked it out. That definitely sounds like a solid resolution. <laughs> yeah. And that was the first time I ever experienced something like that where you would just hear it scream and run out and just fly out the house. I never experienced that before until, until that day. Gotcha. Uh, during any other, you know, cases that you have worked, have you ever seen, uh, I guess what you would call or term gross displays of power by the demonic? Yes. Like, uh, that- if you wouldn't mind, could you like 
tell us a, a few because I I really actually would love to start doing a complete catalog of these. Oh yeah, um, one in particular, it was a uh, it was a twelve year old boy. Uh, his mother had uh, contacted our bishop um, in a panic, saying that he was possessed, and we we interviewed the boy and confirmed it was a true possession and during the exorcism and this is a you know 12 year old boy he probably weighs 100 pounds mm-hmm. and i i weigh about like three four hundred pounds you know i i got i got <laughs> the advantage <laughs> and uh I, i'm there behind the boy and uh I'm, i got my hands on his shoulders i'm praying for him and i'm but i'm also there for just in case purposes because when you're doing an exorcism on a person the the demon the possessed will try to attack the exorcist so I, i'm there just in case and sure enough the boy he leapt out of the chair and i'm holding him down with everything with him everything i got and and i'm still struggling to hold him down he had that unnatural strength that no 12 year old boy should have right and he screamed and when he screamed it was in about it was like multiple tones at once and that was that would freak me yeah. the heck out. <laughs> yeah, it sure freaked me out. Wow. Um, so whenever you do an exorcism of person, do you typically ever restrain the individual or do you uh, and or clear the room of uh, movable objects? Yes, we uh we, we do it in our in our, in our actual church building. Oh, okay. Yeah, we we have a chair for them, but we we don't use res- restraints. Um, mostly just e- either me or someone else would would be next to them. So if they tried to move, we would put them back down in the chair. Gotcha. Okay. And whenever um, you know, I don't know if if you or your father could um could attest to this but you know one of the things that has always been of great interest is uh you know in in hostage to the devil father martin always referred to the clash where you would enter almost like a a psychic battle between the priest um or the preacher and Mm -hmm. the the entity itself uh, have you or anyone that you know who's in the same field, ha- do they often experience this or has it ever been experienced? Not that I know about anyone else. Um, I know me personally, if, while I'm praying, I can sort of, sometimes I can see a battle raging in, in my head while I'm praying. Gotcha. Okay. And since uh, you have wrapped up this uh, uh, particular uh, blessing 
has the house gotten you know lighter and cleaner has everything seemed to have progressed well on that front oh yes almost immediately um uh, when we got through with the blessing the just looking at the family um they didn't have that darkened look in their eyes where they were just you know down depressed or anything like that that actually had more light in their eyes and Oh, that's wonderful. Yep. And uh, we actually had the pleasure of baptizing their daughter and her daughter, uh, uh, daughter's uh, boyfriend. Oh, that's beautiful. Yes. So, and everything worked out and got two people baptized. It was a wonderful time. I could only begin to imagine. Well, uh, is there anything else that uh, you would like to to share or go over? Anything that I particularly have missed during this uh, conversation? Uh, no, no, not at all. Okay. Well, um, uh, as he's known on the Discord server, Josh B ninety three is a wonderful person to talk to who actually has you know a great deal of personal experience in these particular matters and areas uh is you know is nicely educated in the field it's always wonderful uh to see that and you know we have all had such wonderful conversations uh if you would like to join our discord and participate in the same uh whether it's just to lurk in the shadows or to be an active voice we highly encourage it uh the link to that is in the show notes but uh, Josh, thank you so much for agreeing to share this experience and some of your past and uh, to help, you know, get information out. But before we do go, I do have one last question for you. Let's uh, say that someone is suffering from what they suspect to be either a demonic infestation or oppression or obsession or worse. What are some of the protection mechanisms that you would recommend? Well, I would recommend uh, reading the Psalms. The Psalms will help a lot. And uh, spending time with uh, your family, reading your Bible and in time prayer. Mm -hmm. That'll help a lot. Uh, Definitely finding a uh, local pastor to bless your home. And uh, getting more involved in the church. That would definitely help. Gotcha. Yeah, I I think it's something that's not really spoken about a, a ton in this particular area. But, you know, kind of getting your own spiritual house in order definitely seems to be not only, you know, it closes any or most avenues of attack, but mm-hmm. it also helps to alleviate the entire situation, right? Yep, definitely. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for your time. And uh, yeah, it has been absolutely amazing to hear about this uh, particular blessing, exorcism, cleansing, and uh, eventual baptisms. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, have a good You too. Thank you for listening to Southern Demonology. Find us online at southerndemonology.com 
where you can find all of our social and podcasting links. Also, if you have a moment, please feel free to rate this podcast and leave any encouraging feedbacks that you may have. As always, I am JJ and it has been a pleasure getting to talk to you today.